we're going to continue in our series on prayer um, and covering this metric that we've been, we've been talking about, which is I pray regularly and I understand its effectiveness in my life. Now, uh, we chose not to go after the I pray regularly part when we started this series because when we talked about intimacy uh, a couple of months ago, uh, we really dug into the importance of spending time in God's presence of, of making time, of communicating with him, prayer, right, and getting in proximity. And so we covered that, that regularly piece. So, so our focus these last few weeks and, and these next two um, are the, the part where we're understanding prayer's effectiveness in our life. Uh, we talked two weeks ago about gratitude um, and what it meant to have an attitude of gratitude. And I've heard a lot of stories from folks that have been filling out their gratitude journal, um, even if it's not every day, but just taking the time and, and reorienting their thought life, their heart life to gratitude, um, and seeing this immense uh, already uh, shift in their daily outlook. Uh, so that's been really good. Last week we talked about what it meant to be uh, part of a praying community and in a praying community. Um, I know even my, my, uh, when I, I got home late Monday night and uh, the river community that meets at my house was, was, was still going strong and um, I heard the phrase, yes, we are a praying community a couple of times because it was just such a good example of what God does when his people gather together intentionally to pray and are really with one another um, in prayer. Um, and so today we're going to focus on this aspect of being, uh, of, of prayer and meeting this, this metric and in its effectiveness in my life by talking about the weapons of our warfare. Talk about prayer as a weapon. We prayed it today, right? This is how I fight my battles. Right? Our, 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 our singing when we worship and singing, we say it and we'll keep saying it and saying it and saying it until we get it. It is our prayer set to song. It's more than just singing the words that are on the screen. There is actually often an activity that the Lord is inviting us into um, when the music is thumping in the room. Right? It's, it's more than just religious ritual. It's, it's active engagement and prayer. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little secret, and it was one of the things that uh, was revealed during this weekend as we, we, I was with friends and, and, and kind of remembering who I am. Um, sometimes you need to just be around people who knew who you were to remember who you are. Does that make sense? Clear as mud, right? So uh, they helped me do that. And, and I came back to this memory of, of one of the things, there were a lot of things I wanted to be when I, when I grew up. I wanted to play third base for the Phillies. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. Actually, there was a time I wanted to go into politics. I think I was 11. I was that kid. Um, and uh, if we had more money, I would probably would have gone to school in a suit, but we didn't, so I didn't. Um, and, uh, but I had this dream for a little while, probably from when I was like 10, 11, 12, because that's, that's when you still dream, I guess, when you're a kid, um, is uh, I wanted to be a goalie for the Flyers. Um, George, if you have that picture, yeah, that's so bad, isn't it? That's so cool. I love that, right? Um, now, I never played hockey on ice. Um, I am not a good ice skater. I have weak ankles. 
I played basketball, I sprained my ankles all the time. It just would not have worked out well for me. Um, but uh, we played something called street hockey, and this was before the Mighty Ducks came out, so we didn't even have, you know, rollerblades weren't really a thing. I'm talking running on, your, in, running on your feet in the street in a parking lot, right? Um, and in my mind, that's how I looked. Like, my friends were firing shots at me, and it's like kick, save, and a beauty, or, you know, hit it with the waffle board, or, you know, I'm using that giant goalie stick, and and I'm blocking everything that's coming my way. Everything. My goal is just, just to not let anything get past me, but I know that I'm just, over the course of the few hours I played, I'm just going to get bombarded. And I'm just hoping that, that the equipment that I have on is going to be enough to, su- to sustain what is coming at me, right? To, to be able to, to ward off what's coming at me, to, to block it, to, to save everything I hope. Now, occasionally, I'll let you in on another secret. Once in a while, one of those, those rubber hockey balls got by me. Oh, man, I get so mad. <laughs> um, so... Uh, that's how I looked in my mind, intimidating, fearless. In reality, actually, though, I, I actually probably looked a lot more like this. Um, if you see that next slide. Um, because, you know, there's your street hockey arena, your, your standard street hockey court that I'm not sure why they took so little effort. They're like, we're just going to put some two-by-sixes in hopes that this wall holds up. You see it on the side there. Um, but if you notice, uh, he's come fully equipped with a baseball glove, um, pizza boxes duct taped to his shins um, for protection, uh, some kind of cardboard apparatus uh, on an actual glove, um, like a wintertime glove, uh, to protect it. And there's nothing guarding him here, right? Nothing at all. So, I mean, he's just going to take it. That means on a cold day, I don't know if you ever played street hockey, but those rubber orange balls get really, really hard, and they hurt when they hit you. And this dude's just going to sit there, and he's going to take it. That means his love of hockey is going to mean a day full of pain. And that's often uh, what it was like for me uh, growing up. Now, I, I was taught uh, when, I, when I first came to faith when I was 16 that my life of prayer was a lot like this. My life, my life of prayer was, was me um, trying to deflect everything that was coming at me. Right? I was defensive. I was the goalie. I had to let nothing like, get through and pierce my soul if my soul is the net that's behind me. Right? And so every day, I'm just, I'm just deflecting shot after shot after shot, and I'm hoping nothing gets through. But the reality is stuff got through, and I would get so mad. Because I never pictured myself intimidating, like, like the picture of the, the Flyers goalie there. Um, I was the kid with the pizza box and duct tape, the cardboard and duct tape. And a lot of times in our prayer lives, we feel like that, don't we? I'm praying, God, a lot of stuff's coming at me, and all I've got is cardboard and duct tape. And I'm just hoping I can block a couple. And they don't get through. 
We're going to be looking at some scripture this morning because Paul teaches some pretty critical things about prayer and, and who you actually are in prayer and what you look like in prayer and what, what role prayer plays in our lives. Um, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, so if you have a Bible, you can open up to that. We're not going to read it just yet. Um, but just to give you a little background on this, Paul's writing this second letter to the church in Corinth. Um, he wrote a first letter in the church to the church in Corinth that we call, what, First Corinthians, right? Um, which was a response to a letter he had already received. So in between First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, there's another letter that Paul's responding to. It would be so nice if we had those letters, but we don't. All we have is Paul's response um, to what's going on in the church in Corinth. Now, in the first letter, Paul wrote it to correct, correct some really bad theology about the person of Jesus, Right? People were denying that he was the Christ. They're saying maybe this is just about wisdom and not, not him as divine. Um, there was this disunity that was rampant in the church, not just in relationship, but in the practice of gathering. That's 1 Corinthians is where we get instruction on communion because they were just doing whatever they wanted and, and, and nobody could agree on, on how they're supposed to do anything. So Paul's saying, hey, this would be a good way to practice this. Um, they lived in an unbelievably sexualized culture in Corinth. And he was writing to them about the importance of, of, of sexual purity in the midst of, of, of a crazed culture. But the thing that stands out... Um, to me, and, and, and stands out in terms of 1 Corinthians, before we get into 2 Corinthians, is there were these attacks that were starting to, to come up against Paul and his ministry. So he sends this letter out, he receives another letter, and 2 Corinthians is, is his response to that. And in his response, um, it's all about him saying, listen, I know, I know there was something going on, and... and, and uh, Church, we need to be reconciled to one another. And so Paul lays out this case of reconciliation in 2 Corinthians, the importance of it. Saying, look, we're on the same team. I might not do things the way you like, and you might not do things the way that the person next to you likes, but, but we're, we're united in Christ. So we're going to keep the, the main things the main things, and, and everything else is just rubbish. We're united by him, and so he, he lays this out. Um, he promotes this unity in the, in the body, and he models for them what God's power looks like. But there's still this small remnant that were attacking, accusing him. Um, and they accused him this way, before we get into this, in, the, in that first part of 2 Corinthians 10, they accused him this way. Um, they said, hey, why is it that you are such a big man that you can hide behind your words when you write us a letter, but you won't say these things to us to our face. When you're, when you're with us, you're, you're meek. You're a terrible speaker, Paul. Ooh, that one had to hurt, right? And they're accusing him. You could feel the finger pointing. Some even said, maybe you're not really an apostle because you experience suffering in your life. And so Paul responds to their accusations. 
because they're wanting to pick a fight with him. And he reminds them of this in this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6. He says, let me remind you, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Paul's saying, hey, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see what's going on here, right? See, brothers and sisters in Christ are to live in unity, right? Because we have the Holy Spirit residing in us. Accusation is, is the last time I checked, and if Paul's writing this, Paul's probably saying, as I wrote to you before, the fruit of the Spirit is not accusation. Accusation is not a fruit of the Spirit, is it? So where accusation is present, the, the Spirit is not operating. So something else is happening here. There's this spiritual reality that's manifesting in a physical situation. There's another spirit that's at work wanting him to address these individuals and go after them rather than focus on, on, on the real battle that's going on in, in the spiritual around it. Uh, my first couple of years here uh, were pretty rocky, um, uh, personally. Uh, I don't think I've talked about this pu- like public very much, maybe some of you individually, but my first couple of years were pretty tough because we came in here to do a, a redevelopment of, of a church that had died, right? Um, and uh, people were very excited about it in the beginning, but when we started to bring change and started to do things that were a bit different, we started to really go after like life in the spirit. I noticed the more we pressed in, the more the pushback became. There was one particular day, um, I, was, I was out in the lobby, uh, this is like nine years ago, and these people who are, who are long gone, but I was out in the lobby, and um, uh, I heard someone like murmuring around a corner. Did you ever hear that? Right? Murmuring around a corner is never good, and then when you walk, they like get real quiet, and you're like, oh, they're talking about me. They're talking about me right now. Okay. And so I went over to get some coffee, um, and I noticed uh, that there was no milk out. And I hear from behind me someone go, yeah, when, when we used to run this place, there was always milk for coffee. And I was like, someone... I think someone just forgot to put the coffee out, man. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, and, and so me, uh, I just turned around and I had one of those not brilliant moments. I said, it's okay. I don't put milk in my coffee anyway. <laughs> Do you know that that phrase showed up in the letter that they wrote to the district trying to get me fired? He was so arrogant that he didn't even care that we didn't have milk for our coffee. See, accusation, when accusation, the accuser is present, the accuser hates the Spirit of God. Hates when the church is operating in the fullness of the Spirit. Hates when the church is, is taking its authority 
and moving and accusations will fly. But Paul is telling them here um, that, that through prayer, right, through prayer, um, we're actually taking a bit of a different posture, right? You're not, so let me, let me, let me reshape this because some of you I think are really like, you're, you're vibing with this idea like, yeah, I feel like I'm a goalie and pucks are getting shot at me all day, right? And I'm just trying to block them as best as I can. Um, I want to tell you today that that's not true. It's the wrong picture. I'll, I'll finish that thought in a little while. But Paul's telling us through prayer, right? Um, there, are these, there are these things we're doing that we're actively invited into doing through prayer, right? And he, he lists them for us. Um, he says, through prayer, we, we can pull down strongholds. Uh, George, can I get that slide? He says, through prayer, we can, we can pull down strongholds. Um, one, one writer talks about these strongholds as being like the castle of your mind, of your thoughts. He's, he's, he's setting all of these as thoughts because, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but, but the place that the enemy loves to attack the most is your mind. He wants your thought life. So if you get your thought life, you get your heart life. So, so he's going after your, your mind and your thoughts. So Paul's saying, listen, through prayer, we pull down strongholds, right? We tear, I, this is a little Tim, Tim Binkle paraphrase, we tear apart um, arguments, right? We rip up every presumption. That idea of presum- presumption, the, the original word there, actually means like self-conceit. Right? Every self-conceit that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It's every, every thought that says, God, I think I actually can do this better than you. And I know I can do it better than them. Right? Every self-conceit that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Because the enemy would love to trap us into bickering and infighting and keep us away from the real fight that Paul is, is laying out for them, right? And he's not just saying like, okay, we read the scripture and we say, yes, the scripture says we pull down strongholds. I want you to do something with me today. It's going to be a little interactive, right? So we're going to pull them down, right? Like together we pull down strongholds, right? So come on, grab them, grab those strongholds, and we're going to pull them down, right? And not just like, you know, like, We're just going to little pull them down. We're like, this is in my way. Like, the enemy has set up a a thought castle in my mind, and I'm going to tear this sucker down. I'm not going to stand for it. And I don't have to. Because this is how I fight. So we pull down strongholds, right? We tear apart arguments. Church, there's no place for argument in the body. We can disagree with one another, but when we hit our corners and we refuse, we break fellowship over disagreement, then we are in sin. Right? We rip up every pretense, every self-conceited thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take our thoughts captive, and we make them obedient to Christ, right? That obedience to Christ, we take them captive, and we actually tell them, you are a prisoner. This thought is a prisoner. We're going to lock it up and throw away the key. So Paul sees through this ploy of the enemy, but notice the way that he's directing them, that it's an active engagement in prayer, not a passive one, that they're on the attack 
not on the defense. Most commentaries believe Paul has another teaching in mind um, when he's writing this to them. It's one he fleshes out uh, a few years later when he's writing his letter to the church in Ephesus, but believe me, I'm sure Paul is already... uh, Man, I preach stuff I was thinking about five, ten years ago all the time. I think he's already thinking about it. Most commentators agree with this. In, in Ephesians 6, if you want to flip over or, or scroll over or type in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, um, I believe he had this in mind when he's writing this, 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 this idea of, of you're not going into this like uncovered. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord in his, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? My struggle is not against the person accusing me. That's a person made in the image of God who he loves. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, he tells them, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in its place. I wish I had one of those when I played street hockey. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. For who? Yourself? No, for all the Lord's people. Sometimes we feel like the lone goalie in front of the net because the church, we're not going on the offensive church. We're not being a praying community. We're not that praying a community that is looking out and we're, we're going on attack after anything that's going after our brothers and sisters. going on the offensive. We feel isolated and alone, helpless. But I I love the picture that Paul uh, gives them here. And I want to show you um, actually what this picture is, because Paul basically tells them that in the Spirit, you are... um, you are the intimidating one. George, can I get that next slide? In the spirit, you are the intimidating one. Uh, because what he lays out for them is basically the, the way that a Roman legionnaire was outfitted. Roman legionnaire was the most lethal uh, fighting force in the world at the time. If you saw the Roman legion coming, uh, you knew your doom and destruction was, was following quickly. And here he's saying, in the spirit, this is you. 
So when you put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, and your feet are fitted with, with the readiness of the peace of the gospel, right? To take the gospel. You're putting this full armor on that you can stand, right? He's showing them through the equipment of the legionnaire that they are the intimidating ones in the spirit, that this armor that's provided for them is to cover them, yes, but not so they just sit back and take it. It's to cover them so that they can move out in the attack with full confidence. This is the same armor that's offered to you. That you can move out and you can attack fully confident. Fully confident. That you are covered completely. That no scheme of the enemy uh, will defeat you. you can attack with confidence. I love this quote. It says, uh, it's an unknown author, I couldn't track it down, but it says, the enemy is not after your money or your stuff. We get lulled into that. We're going to protect it like it's in that net. It's not after your money or your stuff. He wants your mind, your attitude, your heart, your faith, your peace. Understand that you are not being attacked over the tangible things in your life. The enemy is fighting you over the things you cannot see. And so we fight in the realm that we cannot see, but we have to see ourselves for who we are. When we're engaged in a heavenly battle, you are the fierce one. You are the intimidating one. The enemy of your soul is the scared kid with duct tape and cardboard because he's powerless against your attacks. You want to go get the kids? So we're, we're going to practice something today. Now, now uh, these, these were put out on your seats today. I'm not going to ask you to do anything with them now. These are always available in the back of the room, these ribbons. Um, I believe that sometimes obedience requires us to step out in a risk that makes us in our minds look a little bit silly and foolish. Um, but God uses the foolish things of this world, right? For his glory. Um, that means sometimes when we worship, I might need a different weapon. My weapon has to be praise. I have to, we- I, this is a weapon. My praise is a weapon, right? If, if I'm going to say this is how I fight my battles, then I'm going to fight my battle. So this morning, we're, we're going to put on the armor of God together. Um, so I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And actually, we're not going to do this uh, alone and by ourselves. Um, our, our kids are learning the same thing this morning. Our kids are going to come in uh, today. So if your child is coming into the room, would you please bring them to your family? Because I think this is an important thing for all of us. Um, Regardless of what your, your familial situation is right now, if you're here alone today, like gather together with somebody else, um, don't be alone. This is something that, that we as a praying community are going to enter into together. This will be our great reminder this morning that the battle uh, is our fight in the spirit, right? So I'm going to start this way. I want you to say, in the spirit... 
I am the intimidating one. I am the intimidating one. Yeah, right? In the spirit, I am a mighty warrior. Oh, come on. Mighty warriors don't just go like, I'm a mighty warrior in the spirit, right? They go like, I'm a mighty warrior, right? In the spirit, I'm a mighty warrior. Man, you can feel like the heavens quake, right? The en- this is when the enemy goes, I need to run. I need to run because it's not just one of them trying to do it. Now it's all of them. I'm in trouble, Right? So wherever there is disunity and discord and infighting that exists here, we are going to say, no, we are warriors and we're not going to stand for it. We're going to fight against it. Right? We're not going to allow that to come in because that is not the Spirit of God because accusation, again, is not a fruit of the Spirit. In this house, love and joy, peace, patience, the goodness of God, self-control, um, the, the full kindness. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, this one's not on my notes, so I'm just rolling through. Uh, they, they reign and rule in this house because it's the Spirit of God who reigns and rules in this house. And our kids are coming in, and they're going to help us do this. And um, I asked uh, Anna Schumann if she would come up and, and help me out. So, Anna, I'm just waiting for you to, to be my helper so, kids, go to your parents. Kid, find a parent. Find your parent. Find your parent. Not a parent, not somebody you would like to have as a parent today, but the parent that brought you. Okay. And we're going to pray a prayer together. And I want everybody to participate. And we're going we're gonna to actually put the armor on. It's going to be physical action. And, and in your uh, communities this week, we're going to practice this again. This is a really good tool to just remind us as we go into the battle of our day. If you wake up in the morning and you just go, you know what, this morning, I'm going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to walk into this day covered. Right? And I'm going to be on, on, the, on the attack. And so we're going we're gonna to pray this together. So are you ready? And, and, and we're all going to do it out loud. So we're going to say this. Ready? In Jesus' name, today we put on the full armor of God to guard our lives against attack. We put on the belt of truth to protect us against lies and deception. We put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts from the temptations we battle. We put the gospel of peace on our feet so that we are ready to take your light wherever you send us this day. We choose to walk in the peace and the freedom of your spirit and not be overcome with fear and anxious thoughts. We take up your shield of faith that it will extinguish all the darts and threats hurled our way by the enemy. We believe in your power to protect us and choose to trust in you. We put on the helmet of salvation, which covers our minds and thoughts, reminding us we are children of the day, forgiven, set free, saved by the grace of Christ Jesus. And we take up the sword of the Spirit, your very word, which has the power to demolish strongholds, alive, active, and sharper than any double-edged sword. 
We ask for your help and remembering to put on your full armor every day. For you give us all that we need to stand firm in this world. Forgive us, God, for the times we've been unprepared, too busy to care, or trying to fight and wrestle in our own strength. Thank you that we never fight alone, for you are constantly at work on our behalf, shielding, protecting, strengthening, exposing deeds of darkness, bringing to light what needs to be known, covering us from the cruel attacks we face, even when we're unaware. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. Yeah? Okay. So, five years later, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, and he ends with these words. He says, pray for me also, that whenever I speak, do you remember what the accusation was? Five years later, Paul's writing to the church, he's saying, pray for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. He took that accusation and turned it into a regular prayer that he put in front of the churches. He got ahead of it. He saw the attack. He saw what the enemy was up to. And he said, no, rather than wait for the accusation to come, I'm just going to say, church, pray. And he did. And, and we have his letters now to this day, which instruct and inspire us. In the spirit, he knew what he was up against inside and outside of the church, and he saw right through of all those things. And so, in Jesus' name, I bless you to be fully geared up with the spiritual armor that's available to you every day, to pull down strongholds, to tear down arguments, to rip down presuppositions, presumptions, and to take all thoughts captive in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm.